Good afternoon, everyone, dear colleagues and friends, and uh, welcome to this uh, latest session of the LC Dialogues webinar before the summer. My name is Ilaria Colussi. I am a data protection specialist at BBMRI ERIC, and I will be moderating this discussion. Today, we are going to be exploring biobank legislation and the lack of harmonization across the European Union. I remind you that this webinar is being recorded and uh, will be made available online at a later stage. I will start sharing my stream for some initial thoughts. Briefly, some background about BBMRI ERIC. BBMRI ERIC stands for the Biobanking and Biomolecular Resources Research Infrastructure European Research Infrastructure Consortium. And it has the scope to facilitate access to sample and data collections across Europe to advance biomedical research for the benefit of European citizens. To reach this goal, BBMRI ERIC relies on a network of national nodes in the member countries, as well as a team of interdisciplinary experts from medicine, social sciences, ethics, law, IT, quality management, patient communities, and industry partners, with shared values of facilitated access to progress in healthcare and disease prevention. In 2013, BBMRI ERIC was set up as a distributed research infrastructure, and to date, it consists of 18 full member states, five observer countries, and one international organization, making it one of the largest research infrastructures for health research in Europe. As regards ELSI services and research, we provide support on ethical, legal and societal issues. We operate on the basis of a federated model in partnership with a network of experts from academia and practice from across both our national nodes and project partners alongside three key cornerstones, research, service and training. I want to let you know that this webinar is possible thanks to funding from Europeans, European Union's Horizon Europe Research and Innovation Project. And specifically, it is supported by the CanServe project that focuses on providing cutting-edge cancer research services across Europe. The aim is to offer a comprehensive portfolio of oncology-related research services available to all scientists in EU members, member countries, associated countries, and beyond. So for more information, please visit canserve.eu. And now let's talk about legislation. Um, it may come as a surprise that member states have taken considerably divergent approaches in how to regulate the biobanking field. Some countries do not have specific regulations, others have adopted instead complex biobank laws. We will be exploring this from the perspective of the unique legal framework for biobanking that is currently in place in Belgium. The Belgian Biobank Law was first adopted in 2008, entered into force in 2018, 
and underwent important reform in 2022. The law is complemented by an essential piece of self-regulation, namely the compendium on biobanks issued by the Federal Agency on Medicine Products and Health, and the interplay with relevant data protection rules will also be the focus of our discussion today. Guiding our webinar on this topic, uh, there are some uh, uh, key uh, experts from uh, KÖ Leuven, uh, which is a highly regarded research university in uh, Belgium. We have uh, three uh, guests today, uh, Janos Metzaros, Teodora Lalova-Spinks, and Professor Isabel Ois. Let's start uh, with Professor Ois, just some brief introduction to her. She specializes in clinical pharmacology and pharmacotherapy at the Department of Pharmaceutical and Pharmacological Sciences. And uh, she will uh, introduce us to the other speakers. Um, so welcome to this webinar, everyone. And thanks for giving your time and expertise for this major topic. Just a final point to the audience. If you have any questions or comments, please put them in the chat and we will answer to them at the end of this presentation. So, Isabel, now I end over to you. Thanks again for being here today and uh, welcome again. Thank you, Ilaria, for this very clear introduction. And thank you also for participating with us here in this in this uh, webinar, where indeed several researchers will share with the audience about the biobank legislation. So my research group is focusing on health policy and regulatory sciences, and biobank research and legislation is an important part of it, especially the LC aspects uh, related to it. Um, Dr. Janos Mezaros is postdoctoral research in our group, and he's actively participating in several European projects where biobanking is uh, definitely part of it, as well as other types of data sharing aspects and aspects of um, um, AI, artificial intelligence, and uh, data sharing. So he did his PhD at the university, uh, uh, at, the, at the Faculty of Law, Sigurd. University and he worked also for two years at a law firm focusing on IT and IP law. He also started working at the National Academy of Science in Taiwan uh, as a postdoctoral researcher focusing on data protection, AI, and medical law. Theodora Lalova Spinks is at the moment a PhD researcher in our group at the University of Leuven in the Faculty of Pharmaceutical Sciences, as well as um, at the Center of IT and IP Law in, at the Faculty of Law. And her research focuses on the fair allocation of data control and responsibility in precision medicine. And she focuses her research particularly on the legal framework uh, for data and for biological samples uh, in clinical trials. She holds an LLM in international and European business law um, from the KU Leuven and also a Master of Laws uh, degrees at the um, Sofia University in Bulgaria. Um, we will today share with you the insights which stem from research, but also from other insights 
about the Belgian biobank legislation. We are also actively involved with our group um, on the scene in practice with um, working out the, the um, practicalities of this with Belgian biobank um, participants. And we want to share with you this piece of the puzzle in a complicated European regulatory landscape. So today we will talk about the BBMRI.be network, how biobanks are regulated in general in the EU, um, the Belgian legal framework on that, and also legal obligations for biobanks in Belgium, the interplay play with the GDPR, and also what about the proposed European health data space, which is heading um, uh, and coming towards also a, a country like Belgium and how we can work with that also in the future. So BBMRI.be is the Belgian biobank network, which is composed of um, a 20 Belgian biobanks. You see most of them here depicted uh, around the land card of Belgium. Um, it exists since it is since 2013 member of the uh, European BBMRI, Eric and uh, um, involves or collects actually collections uh, of different biobanks in a directory. So more than 50 biobank experts are via bbmri.be united and share their views regularly in the uh, working group, the LC working group of BBMRI, uh, where I am, that, that I am actually um, leading together with Theodora and with Janos, and where we find, try to find legal solutions for different legal problems that may pop up um, over the time um, in this legal context. But I am very happy now to share, to give the word to Theodora, who will take over now and dive into the details of the legal framework. Thank you very much, Isabel. And it's a huge pleasure to be joining you uh, all today. So um, first, a very quick disclaimer and apology for my voice today, because I'm still recovering from a flu, but I, I'm confident I'll be able to, to guide you through the Belgian legislation. So uh, before we go deep into the Belgian law, I wanted to provide a short introduction into the general system of biobank regulation in the European Union. And the very first level is related to the international instruments that apply in this field that we can classify in four groups. We have uh, instruments like the Oviedo Convention that were designed to provide very general principles for the protection of the human rights in relation to generally bioscience and anything to do with biotechnology. The second layer is more targeted principles related to biomedical research, like the Declaration of Helsinki. The third level is principles applicable to a specific sector or activity, like genomic research. And finally, we have a very targeted, much narrower and much smaller group of uh, different in international acts dedicated specifically to biobanking, like the Council of Europe recommendation on research on biological materials of human origin or the World Medical Association declaration of Taipei. In terms of the legal force of these instruments, um, so most of them have a simply advisory or a guiding power. Uh, some of them have the uh, expressed intent to become a law into the future, but for the moment, they do not constitute a legislation with binding effect, like the UNESCO declarations. And we do have some instruments which 
are intended to have a legal effect in the European member states as long as they are ratified into the national law. So this is, for instance, the Council of Europe via the Convention. When it comes to the European Union legislative framework itself, uh, I refer to uh, the start of uh, what Ilaria said at the beginning, that for the moment we, we have no harmonization in the field of biobanking at all. So there is no specific EU biobank-based regulation or directive for scientific research. However, you might have heard about the human tissue and cells directives that were adopted in the beginning of the 2000s. And they're there to set standards for quality and safety for the donation, testing, processing, storage, and so forth of human tissues and cells, but only in the scope of clinical practice of providing healthcare <clears throat> and diagnosis. Scientific research is not in their scope, but a lot of the uh, national laws that implemented these directives would also provide rules on scientific research biobanking and be inspired by these directives. So it's always interesting to follow this type of uh, legislative evolution. Uh, the second, the third layer is related to the data protection rules. So naturally in research biobanking, on the one side, the focus is on the <clears throat> human body material, on the tissue, cells, blood, and so on. But also we have very much sensitive associated personal data to, to process and to, to take care of. Uh, for instance, data related to the donor of the samples, uh, to the medical history of the donor uh, and so on. So naturally the GDPR would, should also be complied with. And finally, we reach the level of the national rules for research biobanking, which in the European Union are very divergent uh, and very complex. So <clears throat> the different member states uh, could be divided in three groups uh, for biobank regulation. The first one would be countries with specific law. Uh, and here it is Belgium and the focus of our webinar today. But there are also countries with composite regulations, often accompanied by soft law, like Denmark. And there are also countries with no specific regulation about biobanking at all, like Bulgaria. Um, all of the different um, existing national rules on biobanking share common features, which is interesting to note. And it would be very interesting to see how this transpires in the Belgian biobank law. <coughs> For instance, uh, all of the biobanks typically have to be accredited by the national authorities, uh, competent authorities. Usually this is the Ministry of Health. Uh, also the creation of a biobank normally should always be notified. There should always be some kind of, some sort of supervision carried out by the national authorities together with the national data protection supervisors. The management of a biobank normally is always committed to a specific individual or an entity. And if it is an individual, this individual is normally a medical expert, a doctor or a pharmacist. There should always be suitable security measures enacted in the different um, biobanks. Uh, also, most of the European countries share the rule that if it's not possible to use anonymous data and samples, they should at minimum be pseudonymized. And there is always a big role foreseen for research ethics committees. So they should always assess the purposes that the biobank aims to achieve, or they would assess the specific research projects that aim to use the different tissues and samples and associated data. And finally, the principle of informed consent is present in all the European legislations on biobanking. The fact that the donor to uh, donate their human tissue and samples 
should always provide their consent uh, in writing. And now focusing on the Belgian legal framework. So uh, as mentioned in the beginning of the webinar, the law itself uh, was adopted uh, almost 15 years ago in 2008. And it focuses specifically on uh, the acquisition and the use of human body material, both for the purpose of medical applications and for scientific research. But it took 10 years to enter into force. And this only happened in 2018 with the entering into force of the Royal Decree concerning biobanks, which, which provides additional rules and allowed the, the specific law to become applicable. Uh, also, just very recently, last year in 2022, there was uh, a very important amendment uh, on the biobank law that changed significantly some of the most crucial uh, rules related to biobanking. And as LSE group uh, within the Belgian BBMRI, we have been very closely following these new amendments and analyzing them. So what the law contains? First of all, it provides a definition of what a biobank is. Under the Belgian biobank bio law, the biobank is a structure which, for the purpose of scientific research, obtains, treats, stores, uh, or makes available human body material, as well as data linked to the human body material and the donor. So this is the so-called associated personal data that we should always take into account. Uh, the law also discusses scientific research, and that each use of human body materials should be for a specific purpose for the development of knowledge pertaining to the performance of the healthcare profession. So for instance, this would be the use of tissues and cells for experiments, uh, the secondary use of tissues and cells for research in vitro uh, and so forth. However, outside of the scope of the law are for instance, uh, clinical applications, uh, the use of, for clinical applications in humans of tissues and cells, uh, the use for diagnostic purposes and the use of uh, human body material in clinical trials. Uh, so this is very interesting and very important because as long as we are uh, obtaining and using human body material in the scope of a clinical trial under the clinical trial uh, regulation, we, we do not apply the Belgian biobank law. Um, and also very important that all of these activities, obtaining, storing, making available of human body material and the data should happen within a registered uh, biobank. So uh, I will briefly go through the main legal obligations uh, for biobanks in Belgium. This is the full list. And in the next, next couple of slides, I'm going to provide some more details. So as mentioned, we first have to be able to register a biobank and there are specific rules related to that. There is also the figure of a biobank manager, the need to have a donor identification system, uh, to set up a registry of the material and the data, to set up contracts related to the material and the data, to take care of the personal data, and how exactly the provision of human body material is executed. Uh, when it comes to the registration of the biobank, the first step is that we should receive an ethics approval. So this approval should come from a fully recognized ethics committee under the Belgian law on experiments. And this should happen before the biobank is registered with the federal agency for medicines and health products in Belgium. Uh, so in the past, uh, it used to be that for each project that utilizes human body material, we would have to go for an ethics approval. Now, this ethics approval obtained at the start of having a biobank 
covers all, all associated projects. And uh, after we have this positive advice, uh, it is required that biannually the biobank reports to the ethics committees about its activities. The uh, registration uh, with the federal agency for medicines is the next step. Uh, and there are specific documents that should be filled and uh, sent to the uh, agency. Uh, next important obligation and a very important figure is setting up a biobank manager or so-called custodian. The biobank manager is responsible for complying with all the biobank obligations <clears throat> under the uh, biobank law, under the royal decree, and under all associated possible uh, legislative frameworks like the GDPR. Normally, uh, the, the individual, the biobank manager, must be someone from the medical profession, uh, an MD, a doctor, and, and this is the obligation, especially when we speak about traceable material. So material that is still linked, it could be traced back to the original human donor. But if we are dealing with non-traceable material, so completely anonymized and no possibility to go back to the donor, it is possible that the biobank manager could also be a pharmacist. Another important obligation is the need to set up a donor identification system <coughs> for traceable human body material. It is mandatory for traceable material. It includes the setting up of a unique code to be able to follow where the sample is, how it is used, for what purposes. And it really allows the ability to continuously link the donor and the sample uh, and it's very important when we have, for instance, uh, incidental findings that we would like to feed back to the donor. Uh, another very important obligation is related to setting up a registry. So both for incoming human body material and outbound human body material to be sent to another institution or to another researcher. And it has very standard uh, rules about uh, putting in this registry the type of uh, the, the human body material, date of receipt, uh, source of the material, whether it was anonymous or it was pseudonymous. Uh, also very important is the need to uh, set up contracts for any transfer of human body material to be it to another biobank or to an end user, a researcher. Uh, this type of contractual agreements could be either individual or it could be a framework agreement. And normally they should con um, contain uh, provisions related to what is the purpose of the research, how the continuity of the traceability will be ensured, and anything to do with the use of the personal data and the allocation of responsibilities towards the use of personal data and GDPR uh, rules. Uh, coming now to personal data use and so-called associated personal data related to the materials and the, the tissue and the cells. So uh, it is only possible to transfer uh, data that is strictly necessary for the intended use. Uh, also very interesting is that the Belgian biobank law in a very unique way uh, mandates, obligates that the biobank uh, manager, the biobank itself is always the controller in accordance with uh, the GDPR rules on allocation of responsibilities. So we have the figures of controllers and processors so the biobank is always the controller, the main responsible one for complying with all the GDPR rules. Uh, also very interesting is that when it comes to personal data, the Belgian biobank law provides a storage, storage limitation period uh, of 50 years. Uh, maximum, uh, the data can be stored 
after the receipt of the original tissue uh, and samples. So this uh, overrules actually the storage limitation uh, provision under the GDPR, which concretizes that it's, it should always be stored for a very minimal uh, time. Uh, when it comes to the provision of the uh, human body material for actual use, uh, the following rules apply. So first of all, uh, the biobank manager can provide tissues and samples only in accordance with the purposes and activities that were approved by the ITEX committee at the setup of the biobank. And it should also always be checked whether this is allowed in the first place by the donor uh, themselves, by the human donor. So normally when we uh, procure human body material, uh, always consent should be obtained by the donor. There is also the possibility to uh, obtain the human tissue and um, cells and, and so on uh, on the basis of an opt-out, uh, so without consent, but as long as there is no objection. But this is strongly limited to specific cases, uh, either the case of residuary human body material, which is uh, material that was uh, obtained during the course of a diagnosis or a surgical procedure or uh, any other clinical treatments of an individual. And after these tissues and cells have been used for their main purpose to provide treatments or to provide diagnosis to the individual, uh, the rest could be used for research directly as long as the donor, the individual doesn't uh, object to this use and they have been informed about that. The similar rules, the same rules apply when it comes to uh, human body and tissues uh, uh, materials obtained from a diseased donor. So this whole system of opt-outs uh, has been inspired actually from the legislation on organ donation in Belgium. And uh, these rules on consent and opt-outs, they're not applicable if traceability was lifted. So when we have absolutely anonymous uh, tissues and cells. So um, it's very interesting also to discuss the type of support that the Belgian notes of the BBMRI provides for biobanks. So for instance, they have set up templates for the registration with the federal agency and also for the biennial evaluation form that uh, biobanks should go through. Uh, also very important and interesting is uh, the compendium that was created uh, at the level of the federal agency and with support with the Belgian notes of BBMRI. So this compendium is a sort of a soft, soft law regulation, a Q&A system that provides advice on the most uh, challenging or contentious questions related to how to understand the Belgian law and how to apply it in practice. It was uh, adopted uh, in 2019 and currently it's being uh, edited and amended to provide answers to the new, when related to the new amendments in the law. So uh, as, you, as I mentioned, the law went a very, underwent a very major revision just last year. So the compendium is now uh, being changed. Uh, going now to the topic of how the Belgian biobank law interplays with the GDPR. There are many, many interesting questions and uh, challenges and possible gaps to, to be discussed. I'll uh, focus only on a couple of examples just to give you a flavor. And I'm happy to discuss later on in the discussion about more. So uh, as mentioned, biobanks-based research involves almost in all cases, in most cases, the processing of sensitive personal data. So the, the donor's identification details, uh, medical history, lifestyle and behavioral data, and so on. 
And as anonymization, especially nowadays, it's uh, not always possible. There is a very high threshold for the data to be considered anonymous under the GDPR on the one side. And on the other side, thanks to technological advancements, it's becoming more and more difficult to really have a truly anonymized set. This means that the data always stays personal, even if it is coded, pseudonymized. And all the relevant GDPR principles apply and should be complied with by the biobank manager. So for instance, the lawfulness, purpose limitation, data minimization, accuracy, storage limitation, integrity and confidentiality, and the accountability uh, of the data controller. All of these two box of principles is always applicable. And I'm going to now show uh, some examples pertaining to uh, some of the key principles just to see how this plays when it comes to the Belgian framework. So first, lawfulness of uh, processing in general in, in biobank research. So um, as you may know, under the GDPR, we should always identify a legal basis, a valid legal basis for the processing and the use of personal data. And uh, the GDPR provides six legal bases that are all in equal in terms of uh, power. We, we don't have a preference normally for a specific legal basis. And also when uh, personal data is processed, uh, sensitive personal data is processed, like health data, there are also specific conditions, uh, nine conditions in total, that should be always uh, also uh, identified and coupled with the legal basis. And uh, when it comes to biobanking, when it comes to the um, general framework at the moment within the different European countries, uh, literature has identified two main models to process data validly. So two main uh, ways to decide which one is the legal basis. One model is the so-called constant-based model. So this constant uh, as a GDPR legal basis should be distinguished from consent to donate samples and data and to participate in the biobank research. And this consent should be uh, freely given, purpose-specific, informed, and unambiguous under the GDPR. And prior to, prior to the GDPR, member states had different frameworks for consent. And we have seen after the adoption of the GDPR, a lot of the differences in this regard remained. Um, so this framework was used to be the one chosen by Belgium. So just before the amendments, normally consent for the processing of the data was required under the law, together with the consent to donate the samples, both types of consent. But since last year, since the new amendment into the law, this changed and the legislator chose a different approach. So now Belgium follows the necessity-based model. And under the necessity-based model, we have processing for, uh, for instance, legal obligation, processing for archiving purposes, public interest, scientific research, uh, or uh, processing for reasons of public interest in the area of public health. And the uh, choice made by the uh, Belgian legislator was to go for a legal obligation, that whenever samples are procured for scientific research, the associated data is processed because we have this obligation under the Belgian law. Another example uh, related to this interplay with the GDPR and the Belgian law relates to the allocation of responsibilities. So as mentioned, the biobank manager under the Belgian law is always the controller, but it is possible in a different context when the Belgian biobank law does not apply 
to become the processor. And I give here the example uh, of a specific situation related to clinical trials. Uh, that is also part of a chapter that uh, we wrote uh, for a book on GDPR and biobanking. So uh, imagine that we have uh, a clinical trial set up by a clinical trial sponsors and uh, the different uh, human body material and associated personal data that is uh, procured within the trial is stored in a Belgian biobank. Uh, the Belgian biobank law does not apply in the case of clinical trials. So in this case, the clinical trial sponsor would be the data controller and the Belgian biobank would be a subcontractor and a data processor. So they would be the ones processing the data on behalf of the sponsor and for the purposes and means identified by the sponsor. However, imagine that the trial has finished and five years down the line, the sponsor wants to reuse these samples and this data to combine them with other uh, data sets from other studies and do some secondary use and secondary research on this data. Now, because we are not any longer in the scope of a trial, but in a totally new study, the Belgian Biobank law would apply. And because of this, the Belgian Biobank would become a controller for the specific materials and data from the original trial that are still stored with it. So suddenly we would have this change in the uh, allocation of the responsibilities, thanks to the rules of the law itself. So it's just an example of the complexity and the possible challenges that could come from uh, the rules that currently exist. So as mentioned, this example comes from a chapter that we wrote with Professor Hoys and other uh, Belgian biobank experts uh, that provides an overview on the Belgian legislation and its interplay specifically with data protection rules. And the chapter is part of a broader book on GDPR and biobanking uh, edited by Santa Slokenberger, Olga Zorzatsu and Jane Rachel that was made open access thanks to Bibi Marai. So I've provided also an open access link. It's full of very interesting research to um, different national frameworks, different national setups, challenges, um, and so on. So that was my part of today's discussion. Thanks a lot. And I now give the floor to my colleague, Dr. Mejaros, for the discussion on the health data space. Thank you, Teodora, for the introduction and the explanation of the Biobank Law in Belgium and Ilaria and uh, Isabel for your uh, introduction. Um, now I'm sharing uh, my PDF. So in the second part of our presentation, I would like to highlight uh, uh, the connections between biobanking and uh, the proposed European health data space, uh, especially from the Belgian regulation and perspective. The health data space have amazing goals uh, to help in both primary and secondary use of health data. The main issues uh, and main fields the health data space aims to help is the sharing of health data for healthcare, single market for digital health products and services, access to health data for research, innovation, public health policy making, and AI. In the first part, sharing of health data. The main issues are the limited control of patients over their health data and the limited interoperability between healthcare providers. Here, the main areas of work 
or the control rotations over the data help in the interoperability uh, efforts. And here, there would have main roles on e-health agencies, reinforced EU governance uh, on e-health network, and the MyHealth at EU. The single market for digital health products and services here, uh, the main issues are the uneven national legislative frameworks, the uneven quality framework, and the unharmonized procedures for prescription, reimbursement, and liability. Here, um, the main goals would be uh, eliminating barriers to free movement of labeling, interoperability, reimbursement, and liability. For the access to health data for research, innovation, and public health policy making. Here, uh, the main issues are the low reuse of health data, and cumbersome cross-border access to health data and the fragmented digital infrastructures. Here, the main areas of works are governance and rules for access to health data, data verification, and digital infrastructure. In the case of AI, the main issues are the limited provision of data for training of AI, the difficulties for regulators to evaluate uh, AI algorithms, and the uncertainty on liability uh, of AI in health. Here, um, hopefully, the health data space uh, can help in these uh, main areas. Based on this, the proposed European health data space would be a health-specific ecosystem comprised of rules, common standards and practices, infrastructures and the governance frameworks that aims at empowering individuals through increased digital access to and control of the electronic personal health data at national level and EU-wide. Fostering a single market for electronic health record systems, relevant medical devices, and AI systems. And third, providing a trustworthy and efficient setup for the use of health data for research, innovation, and policymaking, the secondary use of health data, which we will uh, focus also in our presentation. Since the legislative proposal, we focus on a number of areas on the secondary use. Expanding the existing infrastructure in the member states through the health data access bodies, introduce a European infrastructure, promoting interoperability and data quality, strengthening the legal base for the reuse of health data. In the next slides, I would like to highlight the biobanks in the Belgian system for medical research and secondary use of health data. <clears throat> the following slides are based on the presentation of René Custers. Uh, his presentation was health data and basic and, uh, and translational research, current practices and consequences of the European health data space. He's also part of the BBMLI.BE-LSE working group. <clears throat> it is not easy to navigate in the existing and the proposed regulations uh, of the EU on medical research and healthcare. Since the health data, the, uh, the health data space has great promises on both primary and secondary use of health data, um, the legal landscape is quite complicated since the uh, future interactions with the GDPR the Data Governance Act, the bio existing uh, national biobank laws, 
the proposed AI Act and loan experiments on the human person are still um, a lot to learn and, uh, and a lot to find out how it will work. In the scope of the European health data space, it extends beyond care and health data, since data holder also includes biobank, and electronic data for secondary use also include uh, electronic health data from biobanks and dedicated databases. In the following figure, it is highlighted how um, health data from healthcare and research might go through to research. From both healthcare and research, through patient care diagnostic therapies, through clinical trial experiments involving humans, health data can go through various ways, like medical records and also biobanks, samples and patient data, through ethical review, samples and patient metadata can go for basic research, applied research, for universities and research institutes, where the research data can help for producing knowledge and new technologies, which could contribute to new diagnostics and therapies, which can improve patient care. And in this system, it is highlighted where the secondary use is happening and where the biobanks uh, play a very important role in this uh, process. In the electronic health data space, for the secondary use of data and for the easier access to it, health data access bodies aim to be established. Hospitals, care institutions, social health insurers, and from other sources, care and health data can be accessed. These data can be medical records, electronic prescriptions, health-related administrative data, medical images, treatment data, diagnostic data, and even wider categories of data. This can be connected with the electronic health data catalogs, and the health data access bodies can help to discover this data and uh, can help uh, in a permission and secondary use and access to it. However, there are the goals for both primary and secondary use are uh, have great promises. There are still some fields which uh, not clear yet, and the interactions between the current system and the future one proposed by the health data space. Um, for example, the health data space, it looks like it does not replace the current research practices. Also, as René highlighted, open science requirements remain to exist. Publisher requirements on accessibility of data remain exist. And loan experiments involving humans remain still to exist. And the biobank law will also apply in these cases. We would like to thank you for your attention. Thank you so much to all the speakers for these really excellent uh, presentations. And as you have seen, as you have seen uh, throughout uh, this webinar, we have learned a lot about uh, how biobanks are regulated in Europe. 
with a specific case uh, of, of Belgium. Um, I found particularly interesting the fact that uh, um, uh, Belgian provisions uh, regard uh, um, the legal obligations of the biobank. Uh, they focus on the donor identification system, for example, the processing of personal data. And uh, uh, I found particularly challenging the change of choice in the legal basis, for example, passing from the uh, consent-based model to the necessity-based uh, model. Um, moreover, the speakers have gone beyond the expectations because they brought us also to the EHDS uh, world, uh, which is currently highly discussed in, in Europe. And um, how a Belgian system can interplay with the EHDS uh, is of particular interest, uh, as it is uh, throughout uh, the whole Europe, because uh, all member countries, all, all member states, are uh, nowadays uh, facing this uh, challenge. Uh, so to see how to interpret uh, the proposal of the regulation with the uh, current uh, um, uh, research framework. Um, so I would like to thank you very much for your thoughts, um, for the excellent points that you have provided to us, uh, and for uh, the food for thought that uh, you, have, uh, you have given. Um, before moving to the questions, um, I would like to remind you uh, that um, uh, at BBMRI ERIC, we regularly share uh, research papers and updates on biobanking legislation from our LC experts uh, throughout the, the notes uh, via the uh, um, BBMRI ERIC newsletter. So you can sign up uh, to this newsletter uh, on our website. Um, bbmri-eric.eu, where you will also find uh, a lot of materials regarding uh, the uh, LC knowledge base and the help desk. Um, moreover, if you enjoyed this uh, recording, uh, we uh, recommend you to share it with your friends, colleagues, uh, to leave a review uh, or a comment uh, on whichever platform you tuned in via, because it helps us reaching also uh, new audiences. And uh, you can uh, watch up, uh, watch out for our next uh, uh, podcast episode via the um, AT BBMRI Eric socials on uh, Twitter and uh, LinkedIn. And uh, once again, we would like to thank um, uh, Isabel, Teodora, and Janos for uh, for attending this webinar. And uh, with this, I uh, please uh, to stop the recording and open the floor to questions, uh, comments that you might have. I will uh, check the, the chat uh, regarding this. Thanks again and uh, uh, see you for the next uh, episode.